Hi everyone, Michelle Ferreri here, Member of Parliament for Peterborough-Kawartha. Thank you for joining us for another episode of People Before Politics. Now, the premise for those of you who have maybe never seen an episode, or maybe you're a diehard and you've seen them all, and thank you for that, uh, is really to find out the people who, who they are before and what shaped them into the politics that they now practice. Um, a lot of the guests so far, actually all of the guests so far, have been colleagues of mine, members of Parliament for the Conservative Party of Canada, but we will be delving into other people as well because I think the premise of this again is to figure out what happened in their life to shape their beliefs and ideology and who they are. In a world where so many people are, are quickly attacked and we've lost connection and face-to-face -face interaction of there's actually a person behind that person, uh, behind that attack, I think this is a very valuable conversation and we're so glad that you've joined us for it. So today I'm really excited uh, to be joined with my colleague and friend Marilyn Gladue. Marilyn, how are you? Oh, you know, I'm fantastic and I'm so appreciative that you've invited me. This is an important conversation and uh, uh, I invite you to ask all the tricky questions uh, that you want about me. Marilyn is an open book. So Marilyn is a member of parliament for Sarnia Lambton. True. And I'm going to read a little bit of our bio here for you guys. Uh, she was one of the very first people, too, that I reached out to when I was seeking the nomination. And she was very, I loved Marilyn's direct, honest approach. And I have a lot of respect for that. Like, I, I love efficiency. And that's, you're, you're just smart, pragmatic, and direct. So she worked as a professional engineer for 21 years before running for politics. What kind of engineering? Actually, chemical engineering, and it was 32 years. I was 21 years at Dow Chemical, and then I was working in a global role there, um, managing multiple facilities, more than 230 countries. And then I, uh, I managed uh, the engineering department at Suncor when we were building a billion dollar project. And then I went to be a consultant and worked in uh, nuclear, mining, green energy, um, North American petrochemicals. And then I turned to the dark side of politics. So and during all of that, so 32 years yeah. as a chemical engineer, one of the first female, right? Like Absolutely. Everywhere I, I worked at the beginning, I had to build a women's washroom because there wasn't one. Wow. And raising a family during this time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously there were 13% women in engineering when I started, so it was not, um, you know, I would say a family-friendly environment, especially with all the global travel. But you know what? Um, I have two beautiful daughters, and uh, they've grown up to be uh, well-contributing members of the community, so I think it's all good. It's amazing, right, when you look back at what you've done, and people will say, I don't know how you did that. And you're like, I don't know. You do what you do, right? You do what you're handed. Did you always want to be a chemical engineer? No, actually, I didn't know what I wanted to do at all. Um, but I wanted to have a job where I could always get a job and a job where I was going to make a lot of money. And the guidance counselor said, well, maybe computer science or engineering. But no, you really can't do engineering because that's a man's job. And what year was that? That was like, oh, 1979. I thought you were going to say like 1879. No, no, no. Like and so <laughs> the, the kind of person I am, when you tell me <coughs> I can't me. do something, then that's just the very thing that I want to do. I can't and relate to that at all, Marilyn. Yeah, and I had a, a great uh, chemistry teacher who took us on a field trip to Queen's University. And when I toured the university, he had been a chemical engineer. And absolutely, I knew that that was uh, where I wanted to go. And then eventually, through the career that I had, I, I worked in all different areas. So I started uh, in research, developing artificial kidneys for dialysis. 
uh, went into plastics, uh, did uh, a bunch of roles there from designing plastic products, um, the, uh, managing the operating plants, uh, quality, safety, and then into global roles. So uh, very exciting career, very varied career. Um, and then at the end, I was negotiating contracts with uh, ExxonMobil and Shell and Nova and all of, uh, all of those. And all of these experiences were great training for politics because when you're trying to get consensus around the world, multiple cultures, multiple points of view, lots of different laws, um, I think that's why I'm able here in politics to work across the aisle and to hear different views and come to a good final decision. That's a great segue to ha she has won McLean's award as most collegial parliamentarian multiple times. Absolutely. When I first got here and I won it, uh, people were, uh, you know, they said, well, you just got here. Wait till you've been locked up in this toxic place for a few years and we'll see how you go. But then six years later, I was named most collegial again by all the other members of parliament, right? They're the ones that pick it. So I'm, I'm really pleased that's a really that my neat ability award. to work that way has been appreciated. That's, that's a really neat award to be recognized for. So I want to I back up before we get more into your political career, because I think, as I said earlier, it's about how did you get here, right? So mm -hmm. your childhood. So tell me a little bit about where you grew up, your parents, because I feel like that is the core from where we mm -hmm. start of, of what we believe. Well, I grew up in St. Catharines, middle class family. Mother was a teacher, father worked at GM. And I would say that my mother was quite a pioneering woman for her day. She um, was on TV, had gone cross country at 21. And so if you can think about that for a woman in the 30s and 40s, she started um, as a school teacher at 17 in a one room schoolhouse teaching 10 grades. So I wow. think, you know, her attitude of you can be whoever you want, you can do whatever you want, I think was important. And um, they gave me the opportunity to uh, experiment. So, I mean, I, I was a musician. I played in bands, um, wrote poems, wrote stories and books. And um, then I liked science. So, obviously, they encouraged me in that. And uh, I think that really was um, what, what grounded me. Um, obviously, um, principled family, raised as a Baptist. So, um, a good faith background. And I think that certainly... Um, is one of the things that contributes to my views here in, in Parliament. Hmm, interesting. And you've had, and I don't know how much you want to go into this too, but your own, your own sort of personal life with divorce and children and, and I mean you've been through that lived experience as well, right? Not perfect. Nothing's been perfect. No, you know what? I think it's uh, the things that, that happen in your life that don't go well that you learn from. And I think that's a, a key skill, is learning uh, from things that didn't go perfectly in order to make sure that the next time they go better. Hmm. So what kind of what kind of kid would you say you were, Marilyn? I'm trying oh. to picture. Well, you I were. was very gregarious. I was the class clown, obviously. Uh, that's where I ended up doing stand-up comedy later on. I learned that skill, and I was a camp counselor. I was uh, always um, a leader in any group that I became a part of. Um, I wasn't very athletic when I was younger, but in my 20s, then I started to take up. Um, uh, squash, racquetball, started running triathlons, uh, became a black belt in taekwondo. Actually? Yes, actually. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I like to try new things. And so uh, that's, uh, I've covered a gamut, I think, in my years. You're certainly fearless, right? Like that is definitely a word I would use to describe you. And when you first, when I first met Marilyn, like I'm a, I'm a tall woman and I'm always usually the tallest. Um, and when you meet Marilyn, I, I was like, 
high. Like <laughs> you were, because we'd only well, met I'm, through Zoom, right? right? I'm 6'2", and, and uh, I would have a presence, I would say. Yeah. And uh, people don't always expect it. So I think that's an advantage, especially uh, being a woman in a man's world. Um, being mm. tall and having that presence um, has helped. And then you said at the beginning that you thought, you know, as pragmatic and efficient. Yeah. These are characteristics of engineers. So uh, certainly being efficient and coming to government is challenging because government is less efficient. It is, and it was really interesting. So Marilyn and I got to work together on, on C35 recently. So that's the bill that's under my portfolio of, of child care. And Marilyn spoke on the bill, debated it in the House, and her speech was, was really powerful because you spoke about um, how challenging it was in your generation, which is not that long ago. Like right. when we think about it, of how long this was, and, and you just, you know, you had to, you had this travel schedule and two children. Right. And, and you're traveling the world. And I mean, you're, you're trying to take a flight in the morning. Who wants to uh, take your kids at five in the morning so you can make your flight? And who wants to be there just in case, you know, perhaps Air Canada doesn't uh, get you there on time. Mm -hmm. uh, it happens and, you know, you don't show up to pick up your kids. So I was lucky to have some wonderful uh, caregivers, but I also had the less good caregivers, you know, and we talked about some of them in my speech, but, you know, the one that had cat a boyfriend food. over smoking marijuana, kid eating cat food because she didn't get lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, I ended up hiring um, an ECE worker and she was really flexible to make meals, to stay over if, if needed. And, and that really helped me um, to raise my girls while I was having a, a career. I think what's fascinating about when I speak with conservatives, like there's a common thread, right? Without me choosing it when I, when I do these interviews, you find this like common thread of, of who we are at our core, right? And it's like we don't, we don't really point out obstacles. We try to figure out how to make them better. Yeah. Like we don't sort of sit back and go, you know, this is really bad. And we don't drone on. It's like this is what it is. This is the realistic aspect. And this is what we need to do to fix it. Right. Yeah, and I'm a very positive person. Yeah, you so, are. You know, I, I tend to um, cut the negativity. That's why I don't spend a lot of time, you know, listening to Twitter trolls or, or any of that. Uh, they probably don't recognize that I'm actually not even seeing their comments because in order to keep a positive frame of mind, um, you know, you, you've got to cut the negativity. And I am very much goal-oriented, so I'm always saying, okay, where do we want to end up? And how are we going to get there? And creative about mm -hmm. solutions. Yeah, I, I, I admire that about you. You're just you just keep going and you don't you don't complain. You just try to find that, that goal and that end goal. Um, okay, one more thing about your personal life before I move on to more politics. You recently married. Yes indeed. Uh, Marilyn got engaged, it was very exciting and uh, so congratulations. Well and congratulations to yeah. you as well. <laughs> she it's, went first. It's like an epidemic. Yeah, it's an epidemic. <laughs> but I don't think we're having babies. I don't no, think we're no, moving into that definitely world. Not, no, no, we'll we'll leave that. Um, so under 2020, in 2022, under the leadership of Pierre Polyev, uh, Marilyn was named Shadow Minister of Civil, Civil Liberties, a portfolio which she cares deeply about. Um, a lot of people don't actually even know what civil liberties means. Like it's kind of like sounds like, what, what, is, what is civil liberties? Okay. So uh, in Canada, we have rights and freedoms. Some people refer to it as the Charter of Rights, there's the Bill of Rights, but generally um, we're the freest nation on earth. And I saw that when I traveled around um, in my global job. But um, freedom of expression, freedom of religion, mm -hmm. freedom to uh, 
enter and leave Canada, uh, freedom to own property, uh, freedom from discrimination. These are all rights and freedoms that we have. And so uh, my job in this role is to um, sound the alarm when the government's infringing those rights and advise the leader on what we need to do when the Conservatives take government mm. to make Canada the freest nation on earth. I want to loop back. We're going to come back to C11 because a lot okay. of people are asking about C11 and, and we'll break that down because I've had a lot of messages. It's been a, one of the most contentious, controversial bills I've seen in my um, time here under 44th Parliament. But you were elected under which Parliament? How long you I was in 2015. 2015. So, yep. Uh, it was a Justin Trudeau majority yeah. government then and Ronna Ambrose was the first leader. So you've been through a few leaders too. For sure, yeah. Uh, I was under Ronna, under Andrew Scheer. Uh, Erin O'Toole, then Candice Bergen, and now Pierre Polyev. Yeah, yeah, you've been through a lot too. A special moment in her early political career would be that her private member's bill, Bill C-277 on palliative care. Do you want to give people a little yeah. tidbit on what that was? So it was to create uh, um, a framework to get consistent access to palliative care for all Canadians because at the time only 30% of Canadians had access to good quality palliative mm. care. And so I'm really proud that that bill will change the lives of thousands of people. And my current private member's bill is on pension protection. Yep. And if passed, I would be one of uh, less than 40 MPs that have ever passed two private member's bills federally. It's amazing. Like, I think when you, when you come here, you, you do want to leave a mark. You want to, I mean, the reason everybody gets into politics, I think, regardless of what side you sit on, is to help and to make a difference and, and to do something that actually helps people. And sometimes it's really hard to quantify mm -hmm. in this space. And so these private members bills are really big deals. So that was, I was in the House the day, um, the, the one bill, so your C228 yep. um, on pension protection. The bill is currently before the Senate as early uh, of early 2023, awaiting royal assent. So for those of you who don't know, some of the people don't understand this process. So it has to go through three readings. Mm -hmm. In the House of Commons. In the House of Commons. If passed, then it goes to the Senate. Yep. And then if passed in the Senate, it is royal assent and it is implemented. That's exactly right. right. And so this afternoon, I'm going to be uh, appearing before the Senate committee on my bill. No, I didn't know that. This, I love the timing of all these things. They always just kind of happen. But this bill, I love this because it is the goal of protecting the pensions and financial security of those who have worked their whole lives. How, come you, how did you come up with this? Marilyn? Well, I had a neighbor who worked for Sears. And when Sears went bankrupt in Canada, um, their employees only got 70 cents on the dollar of the pensions that they were owed. And I started to look into it. I said, this is not right. And I found out that there have been numerous companies that have gone bankrupt and uh, left their employees either with no pension or pennies on the dollar. And so I decided this needs to be fixed. And I knew that there was a bill. Um, there have been efforts for the last two decades, actually, from various parties to bring bills to protect pensions. But there was always something in one of the bills that people didn't like. So I cherry-picked, what did everybody like out of every one of these bills? <coughs> Put it all together in C228. And so the bill will um, require tabling of a report on the solvency of funds so we can see which funds are in trouble. And it allows a mechanism to transfer money into the fund to fix it before we get into a problem. And then in the case of bankruptcy, it would give pensioners their pensions ahead of secured creditors, preferred creditors, and unsecured creditors. That's really cool. You know, like. For people who are watching, like a private member's bill is a big deal, right? So there's like a lottery that's drawn when you're elected and you draw a number out of, you know, 338 uh, members and, and depending on where yours is, you get to present your private member's bill. But it takes a lot of 
congeniality because you're going to have to convince that whole house um, to vote for it. Right. And it's kind of like, it's funny they call it a lottery because it's kind of like winning a lottery too. Like your private members bill. Most of us came here with, with something, right? Yes. They were driven. What did you want to achieve? What was your... Well, when I came, it was with the view that um, Canada was the best country in the world and everywhere I went globally, I could see that when I came home. But I felt that the politicians of the day really didn't either know what to do or, or were not doing the right things for the country. So I thought, well, I'll get in there and you know figure out how to make government better, how to fix the problems, provide solutions. And so that tends to be my way when I stand up to a debate in the House. I'm not just criticizing the government, I'm telling them what they ought to do instead. I love that. I love that approach and I think people love it too. Okay, let's move into C11. Yeah, Give people key. a synopsis of C11. This has really rocked the boat for a lot of people. It's, it's near and dear to my previous life. Yeah, it's absolutely an attack on free speech. This mm -hmm. is censorship of your online content. And so the government uh, shouldn't be able to censor your content. In communist countries, How are they the government does it? that. Well, I mean, uh, the government and, and through them, they will decide what rules the CRTC will use to decide which content is Canadian content and which content uh, Canadians should view. So to upvote your content, for example, or to downvote your content if they don't want Canadians to see it. Um, Canadian icon Margaret Atwood came out and said, you know, this is unacceptable, that the government would tell people what to write or censor what they write. Um, and to be fair, she wouldn't even be considered Canadian content, exactly. which shows how ridiculous this bill is. So there's been a lot of criticism of it, and the Senate has come back with numerous amendments because they see the problem. The government has said they're not going to accept any amendments, which I think they're tone deaf and not listening to Canadians. Freedom of expression is fundamental. The government doesn't have the right to censor the online content of Canadians. This is a very, very dangerous bill. And without being the person that's like the sky is falling, I don't like to do that. When you control the messaging, when you control what you see, read and hear, you determine what people think and do and that is extremely dangerous and you and you have to allow diversity of thought you yes. have to in a have, democracy yes. you have to have that in communist nations the you know the communist government has its state-owned media that delivers the propaganda mm -hmm. that is not a democracy Canada's a democracy and it's it's hearing the different voices that makes us uh, come to better solutions I think and uh, makes us the tolerant people we are known for mm -hmm. in the world. Well, that's the point of debate. Yeah. It's for you to put all your, all your pieces on the board, me to put all mine, and then we sort of say, okay, there might be something out of yours that I can pull. Exactly what you did with your private members yeah. bill, Marilyn. Absolutely. <coughs> and, and so there's people that um, <coughs> you know, want to say, well, I, I'm offended by what you say, so you shouldn't have the right to say it. Well, that's not what the Charter of Rights and Freedom says. It has, you, you have the right to freely express your opinion, belief, thought, and we can't remove that without coming against our basic democracy. 100%. And you cannot, you cannot actually have healthy debate without risk of offense. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is actually the, that is what you have to challenge what you think you know. So how are you supposed to challenge what you think you know if you're not having another option to think? Mm -hmm. So what can people do? Because I'm getting a lot of messages because now it's at the stage, which we talked about earlier in this, so it's went through three readings, it's went through committee, it's went through Senate. Mm -hmm. 
Now what happens, Marilyn? Well, okay, I mean, uh, the, the Trudeau government only responds to public pressure. So it's for people to be writing their MPs, calling their MPs, you know, complaining about C-11 and the government's attempt to censor their online content. And, uh, you know, the media needs to get involved and, and sound the alarm. Um, Margaret Atwood gave like a rally cry to the rest of the artists that are out there to raise their voices. And mm -hmm. so it's time for public outcry. That's usually what makes the government change their mind. We've seen recently that they had to backpedal on the, uh, the ban on hunting rifles and uh, they had to backpedal on their medical assistance in dying where they were going to uh, provide that service to people that, that uh, suffered from uh, mental uh, or disorders. So uh, I think this would be another case where the government would see that they really over overreached and they need to take a step back. They're clearly capable of backtracking and I think that's what people at home need to know. There is the capacity of political will to change. They are the government, they are in charge and they can stop this. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it is up to you like a shared responsibility. We are here fighting for that balance, 100% Conservatives are but you cannot take your foot off the gas and you have to get involved, right? Like you can't kind of sit back and then something's done. It's like, oh, that's terrible. You know, I think we as, as parents would know this right from the get-go of, of being involved in your kid's school. You can't kind of complain if you're not actively involved. And so I know it's frustrating. I hear this too, you must too. I wrote my MP, I never heard back. I wrote my MP, I never heard back. Don't stop. Right? Yeah, would well, you they, say that? they always hear back from me, so I would say that. Yeah, but um, um, yeah, no, don't stop. You have to stay involved. But I think it's important that people um, are aware that there's been multiple attacks on our freedoms by this liberal government, mm. and so it's like boiling the frog. You know, you may not notice that first degree, and you may not notice the second degree, but boy, uh, you know, you're, you're going to die at some point in time from this. And and there's there's been attacks on people's freedom of religion in this country, attacks mm -hmm. on freedom of speech. This is not the first uh, attack and, and certainly won't be the last. Um, mobility rights of Canadians that were restricted in the pandemic, they were trapped in their own country for you know nearly three years. So I think uh, this government has not respected the basic rights and freedoms and it's up to us to call them out for that and get them to change. Agreed, agreed and that's what, it's what we do. Okay, a little bit of fun before we wrap up. Um, but before we get to fun, favorite part of this job? Uh, I think the favorite part is when you help somebody. You come um, to a situation where somebody, uh, the government's made a mistake, uh, you know, mistreated them, it's a CRA problem or a tough immigration mm -hmm. problem, and, and you help the people and, and the, the joy that they experience, you know, you're part of that. That's well said. Hardest part of this job? For me, the hardest part of this job is um, the shame, the social media shaming that's done. I went from being a very well-liked, respectable member of the community to um, having people hate on me day after day. Who don't uh, even know you. Misquote me with, with things that are uh, so inane that I would never have said them. Um, and so I find that that's the hardest part of this job. And those people don't even know you. They've they never even probably me. had a conversation with you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Okay, so favorite, this, this is hilarious because when I did uh, interviewed Michael Cooper, you, you and I both know how brilliant Michael Cooper is. I asked him all these like really hard parliamentary questions and it was like, and then I asked him human questions and he was like, okay, just a second, Michelle, those are hard. I asked him uh, his favorite book. What's your favorite book? The Bible. Oh, that was quick. Okay, you were Easy. on that. Favorite like verse or chap, like? Oh, hard to pick a favorite. Um, I would say, uh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oh, that's a, that was good. Okay, uh, favorite food? Pizza. 
Oh, pineapple or no pineapple? Um, I'm ambidextrous. Okay, that's why we can be <laughs> friends. Uh, favorite song? Ooh, now that's a toughie because I'm a musician, I so know. I love them all. Favorite song? Um, Wildfire, Michael Murphy. I don't think I know that song. I'll have to look Beautiful. that song up. Okay, and um, if I if you could leave people today with a message of hope um, and why they why they need to be paying attention, and, and in particular to the Conservative Party, what would you say? I would say, tomorrow is a new day. You start every day with a fresh sheet of paper. You can make the world better. Do your part. Wow. And I, with that, I'll just drop the mic. <laughs> Thank you very much, Marilyn Gladue. How do people find you and follow you on social? Oh, well, The it's, nice people. Uh, the nice people? Yeah. Uh, they can just go look for me, Marilyn Gladue, on Facebook. And uh, um, I want to say I'm at Marilyn Gladue SL on uh, Twitter. So go, come go, find me. Go give her a Come follow. find me, but be, be nice. She's, she's wonderful and uh, always there to, I must say, uh, thank you in person and to the camera, Marilyn. You're always a great mentor. Um, it's really important in this job when the new people um, kind of get elected that we rely on, on you and your experience and wisdom and nothing but accommodating, nothing but genuine, authentic and kind. And I really value that. So thank you for being a great colleague and thank you for being a great fighter. Well, and thank you for bringing your talent to Parliament. You're a tremendous asset to our caucus and certainly doing a fine job as MP. And thank you for inviting me today. And on that note, I better go get to question period prep. It has been an honor. Thank you guys so much for watching People Before Politics. You can watch and uh, join us on any outlet for podcast. It's also available on podcast, YouTube, and share with your friends. We'd love you to get the message out. Thanks for watching. Mm -hmm.